You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. And uh, this is just kind of a simple message in some ways. If you have your notes with you, uh, the title at the top is simply this, Come to Jesus. And the, the scripture I want to read from today is just something that personally has been ministering to me um, over the last month or so. So over the last month or so, just in a kind of honest reality for me, I've kind of been tired. I don't know if anybody else gets into those modes where it doesn't necessarily mean I'm tired like I didn't get enough sleep. I'm just kind of tired in a general sense. Anybody else ever feel that so I don't feel alone? Thank you for being honest. The rest of you are liars. It's okay. Um you know, we get tired in seasons of our life. Sometimes we're, we're doing things, we're accomplishing things, and it's good. But then there's times where you can get into kind of this mode of feeling maybe a little bit weary. And, and I read through the scriptures, and I see it in every single person's life that ends up in scripture. Every person, even Jesus, there's moments of weariness in Jesus' life. And all of kind of the fathers of our faith that we see in the Old Testament, we see these moments of, of maybe just tiredness and weariness in this place where something just feels harder than maybe it used to be or ought to be. And, and I've kind of I've not been in some terrible place, but just honestly waking up every day feeling like I've had to really be purposeful to just motivate myself to go, let's keep going, let's keep moving. And, um, you know, that's not a bad place to be always because sometimes it reminds us of what's most important. But I was reading through the scriptures just a, a week and a half ago, you know, kind of that feeling on my heart in my life at this moment. And I came to this scripture in Matthew 11, which maybe many of you have heard, but I want to read it again today. So this is Matthew 11, verse 28 and 30. And let me give you a little background first here. This is a moment where Jesus has been with his disciples, and then, you know, he's actually around some groups of followers. There's religious people there. And um, John the Baptist, there's a kind of beginning of the stories with John the Baptist, and they're out in the wilderness, and John the Baptist leaves, and he starts talking about John the Baptist. And, and actually gets into this spot, and I, this is an interesting little bit of a story for me where Jesus is, is not overly nice in this moment. In fact, it almost gets to a place where he's, he's just chastising those groups of people who have not received him. And he starts talking about literal cities, like he's naming them. He's like, oh, woe to you, Ca Capernaum, and what are you, what's it going to be like with you at the end of the age? And actually, it'll be better for Sodom. If you remember what happened to Sodom, it'll be better for Sodom at the end of the age than what happens to you because you didn't receive me. And he's, he's going down this list of kind of almost complaining, if we're allowed to think Jesus ever complained. And he gets to this place where he then says this thought, this thing. He's looking out at the crowds now, and he decides in this moment to say this thing in Matthew 11, and this is what it is. He says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now, I've heard this scripture most of my life. Sunday school, I've read it many times, and I, and I know the general obvious understanding here. There's this invitation happening where Jesus is saying, come to me and I will give you rest. I'll, 
I'll carry your heavy burdens. If you're weary and you feel, you know, some, one of the scripture uh, translations says, if you're heavy laden, that just means if you're bearing something over your life that's hard. And when I read this, you know, it makes sense to me, but as I read it just the last couple of weeks, it hit me in a different way, not just in the simplicity of, oh, if you feel this way, but I started looking at it from the angle of who is Jesus actually talking to? You know, he's talking to all these groups of people. He's talking to a bunch of religious people who are following John the Baptist, religious people who are Jewish lawyers who are there, you know, watching what's happening with him. And he begins to make, create this invitation to the people around him. And I, I appreciate that his invitation is for those who are weary and burdened. Because when I read that, I realize that Jesus' invitation for people is very simple. It's not how qualified you are. It's not how understood of Christianity you are, how versed in the Bible you are. That's not the invitation. He actually is reaching for those who would maybe feel like they're on the fringe of specially Christianity or church. Because I think sometimes people come into church and they look around the room and instead of seeing maybe real life, we talked about this last week, right, authenticity, instead of seeing maybe the hardness of what's happening, sometimes in Christianity we tend to put on this kind of show or we put on our suit and we want to look a certain way and act a certain way. And so people come in and if they're weary and heavy laden, they almost feel like it's wrong to feel that. So I, I wanted to start by saying, hey, I feel that way. Because at the end of the day, all of us have felt that way. And so Jesus is speaking kind of to a fringe crowd, maybe in the midst of this, who wouldn't necessarily want to be vulnerable and say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm tired, I'm, I'm burdened, I'm heavy laden. But reality is he's speaking to every heart. And I appreciate this invitation from Jesus because that includes you and me. If you've ever been weary and heavy laden or heavy burdened in life, you are included in the invitation where Jesus says, Come to me and I will give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you. This is him continuing. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I have to read this a lot, because sometimes when I'm following Jesus, I tend to take more burden on me than I'm supposed to carry. Does anybody else ever do that? I tend to take responsibility on me that isn't actually my responsibility. You see, there's a part that we play in this thing called following Jesus, but there's also a part that he plays. And honestly, for me, my biggest struggle in life is I, I just want to do it all by myself. I don't want to follow Jesus all the time. I, I'd like to be in the front. Now, if you've ever been in a car with me, you realize I don't like to follow anybody. It doesn't even matter if the people in front of me are not going slow. I just want to be in front of them. Like, I've caught up to people that are maybe going like a half a mile faster than me, and I can't stay behind them. I don't want to look at their bumper. I want them to look at mine. Actually, I want to get so far ahead they can't see me. I don't like to follow people. And there's this tension in my life where I realize 
that if I'm not actually following Christ in the right way, then I start to create a burden on my life that isn't light. And Jesus just describes, he says, my yoke is easy to bear. Now, in that culture, we, you would have understood it even more clearly than we do now. If you don't know what a yoke is, it's this thing that would get placed over oxen usually, or maybe um, other animals that would be used to pull a plow. Now, we live in the North Country, so we get to see Amish people still farming in that way. They would put this yoke over a, a, an animal's neck, and their shoulders and body would pull forward this plow. Now, when I think about life, sometimes that makes complete sense to me, doesn't it? Now, when I have five kids, that thing gets heavier. When I have people that are kind of looking to me in certain ways, that thing can get heavier. But the reality is Jesus says, my yoke is supposed to be easy to bear. In our life, I don't think we're supposed to get into this constant kind of dredging style of life like this, just barely putting our foot forward every day. Now, I've been there. I've lived there. I don't want to continue to live there, though. And I hear this invitation from Jesus and the simplicity of it just saying, listen, if you come to me and you're weary and burdened, I will actually give you rest. I will give you a different yoke. He wants to change the burdens on our life. He wants to change the heaviness that we've gotten used to living under. And so I ask myself this question, what does it really mean to come to Jesus, because there is a part that we play. Now, we all want the rest, and we want the easy yoke, and we want the, the rest for our souls that he promises, but there is an if-then in this statement, and the if part for us, the action part, is this, simply come to Jesus. Now, what's funny is when I read this scripture, it's such a wonderful invitation, isn't it? It's like, oh, come to Jesus, and I will give you rest. But for some reason, I'm not sure, maybe in the way I grew up, when I hear the words, come to Jesus, I don't necessarily think a nice thing. Because when I say that, I, and I've said this many times, like, man, you need a come to Jesus moment. It's a little bit different tone, right? It's like, mostly I'm saying, you need to slap upside the face. Like, you need to wake up. You need someone to tell you how it is. That's what I, I hear when I hear come to Jesus with just those three words in that kind of pattern but the reality is when Jesus says come to me he's not saying it like that he's not saying oh I need to straighten you out what he's literally saying is no I want to lift off your burdens I want to give you rest and so what does it mean for us to come to Jesus it isn't this like oh I have to come and get some sort of rebuke and correction from him no literally we come to Jesus and he actually lifts our burdens and lifts the things off our life, and he gives us rest. And there's this story I want to kind of walk through today, and it's not going to be all in your notes because I wanted to shorten this a little bit today. So we're going to go to a story of Zacchaeus. If you know this story, it's in Luke 19. You can turn your Bibles there. Luke 19, there's a story of this man named Zacchaeus, and if you don't know the background of it, Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. Now, in that society and in that day, the tax collectors were the lowest of the low people. Tax collectors not only were people who were taking your money and taxes, which none of us still like today, but they were doing it for a government who had overthrown their people. They were traitors. They were traitors to their own people. 
traitors to their government. They went to work for this enslaving empire, the Roman Empire, and they collected taxes. And in the midst of collecting not just the Roman Empire's taxes, they decided often to take a lot for themselves. So they would steal. They would rip people off. They would require more of the people than actually the Roman Empire was even requiring. And so tax collectors in that society were worse than anybody else. You could do anything else and you would be above tax collectors. This guy is described as the chief tax collector. So like the guy who's over all the other tax collectors. Not a good guy. And there's this story that takes place where Jesus is coming into town and Zacchaeus wants to see him. So let's pick up the story. In verse 1, chapter 19 of Luke, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. I want you to stop. Now, if you've grown up in church or you've been around Christian, you've probably heard the Zacchaeus story. As a little kid in children's church, I colored a picture of this little short man in a tree with his hand over his eyes looking out. And for some reason in my head, it was like, yeah, of course, Zacchaeus climbs a tree to see Jesus because he wants to meet Jesus. But I don't think we really understand the context. Because this is a man hated by nearly everyone. He would not want to go to a crowded place of Jewish people. They would probably try to kill him in the process. They would spit on him. They would jeer him. It would not be a comfortable situation for Zacchaeus to show up in a crowd of Jewish people to see this man named Jesus. Now, Jesus had become famous at this point. He was well known for his miracles and for his teaching, for his preaching. Something was happening inside Zacchaeus that made him desperate to go see him. He had to overcome literally being hated by everybody he probably walked by. But not only that, he's a grown man. Now, who in here is above the age of 30? A lot of us. I can't imagine caring about anyone enough to climb a tree at 39 years old. Not ever. I watch Isaac climb trees literally every day because he's a little boy and he's like a monkey. He just climbs everything. But for me at 39, who maybe weighs a few more pounds than I ought to, trying to shimmy up a tree to see someone, I'm like, nah. I heard he was cool. Maybe he did some magic tricks, but I'm not climbing a tree. What was happening in this grown man with a high status in the Roman Empire and a very low status in the Jewish Empire that would cause him to go into a crowd of people who hated him and then not only to do that, but to literally climb a tree to see this man. Something was happening. This is not normal behavior, just so you know. So he climbs this tree to see Jesus, and this is what happens. Verse 5, it says, When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him By name, Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. I love this. Here's Jesus in front of a crowd of many people who really are in love with him at this point, who love seeing his miracles and hearing his teaching, who are followers of him. And he comes 
to the one man in the crowd who would probably be hated the most of everybody, and he calls him by name. Now listen, if you knew Zacchaeus, and even if you were friends with Zacchaeus, you did not want to be seen with Zacchaeus in public, because then everyone would hate you. But here's Jesus, calling the lowliest man out of a tree by name, and then not only that, he invites himself to his house. He says, I must be a guest in your home today. For Zacchaeus, this would have been mind-blowing. For everybody in the crowd, they would have been awestruck at this moment. Why would Jesus go to a man such as Zacchaeus' home to eat with him? This would probably have been sinful in the eyes of the religious leaders because you want to eat with people who aren't actually in right standing with God. Yet he goes and he says, I'm going to be a guest in your home today. I love this story because what it does is it constantly shows us the invitation of who God is inviting. And when I see an invitation like this to Zacchaeus, you have to realize that means the invitation's open to you. Because he's the lowest of the low, the cast out of society the most hated and despised person. In fact, he was very much a criminal. He had ripped many people off. You'll find out in the next couple of scriptures. He was not a good person. Yet Jesus says, how about you come down and see me? And I like this story because to me, when I want to ask the question, what does it mean for us to come to Jesus? I look at how Zacchaeus came to Jesus and I think, that's how I want to come. I want to come to him a little bit desperate. A little bit desperate enough to actually overcome how everybody else in a crowd might even feel me. Maybe even so desperate that I would climb a tree as a full-grown man just to see him. That I would come even in this maybe desperation attitude. And for some reason when that happens, it actually causes Jesus now to come into his life. This is a picture of Christianity. This is a picture of salvation. You see, somehow Jesus draws us to him. Something begins to start in our hearts and in our lives where we get unsatisfied with the life we've built, just like Zacchaeus was. And we start to think, maybe there's something more. Maybe it's this man that I've heard about. And we come to Jesus and we have an experience with him. And there's this place where if we can just take that step forward, somehow Jesus immediately meets us. And just like he says in John 14, and me and my father will come and make our home in your heart. There's this residence that Jesus wants to make in our life. And I like this story with Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus is there. Jesus says, why don't you come down and talk to me? Zacchaeus responds, and then Jesus responds to him. This is all of us. This is a symbol of every one of us. That if we can just simply somehow come to Jesus, he meets us right where we're at, and then he literally invites himself into our lives. He says, I must be a guest in your home today. I think this is Jesus speaking to every one of us. That he wants to be a guest in our home today. Now look at Zacchaeus' response. It says, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. 
Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. I love this, because you know what happens? Jesus goes to his house with him, and you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't give him the Ten Commandments. He doesn't list to him all of these rules and laws that he now has to live by since Jesus is coming in close proximity to him. He simply goes to his home to be a guest with him, and somehow just coming into that proximity with Jesus causes Zacchaeus to change. Zacchaeus doesn't need someone to tell him, hey, when you stole, you should probably give it back. Something happens in him, and he literally says, if I've stolen, I'll give four times as much as back. And I think this is the way that Jesus wants to work in our life. And sometimes I think we come into Christianity, and, and maybe God does something in us, but then somehow we expect that others that are coming into Christianity, that are coming close to Jesus, need a whole bunch of rules. But the reality is, you know what they need? relationship with Jesus. They just need simply Jesus to come and make his residence in their home. Because guess what happens if Jesus is residence in your home? A lot less bad stuff. You ever get in a fight with your wife or your spouse or your kids and then someone comes and knocks on the door in the middle of it? Man, you change real fast, don't you? Oh, hi. Welcome. Did you hear me yelling through the door? And someone shows up, and all of a sudden we change. I'm telling you, and we do that sometimes in kind of a fake way because we don't want someone to see the inside crap of our life. But the truth is when Jesus comes and makes his residence in your home, he does the same thing. Because now I'm living with a Jesus standing next to me, and when I'm upset or when I'm angry or when I want to do some sinful thing, I have this realization, I know I'm not supposed to be that way. I don't need anybody to tell me. It's why I don't believe in this idea of really preaching on street corners with signs that tell people what their sin is. I don't believe in it. You want to know why? Because people already know. The thing they really need is not that truth first. They need the love of Christ to show up in their life first. Then they can hear some truth. But that truth generally comes best from Jesus. Now, I've been in people's lives where I've had to speak some truth into their life to start to say, hey man, I have a relationship with you and this thing you're doing over and over, this is killing you, it's not helping your family, it's not working in your life, and that is the right thing to do. But often the Holy Spirit is a far better convictor than we ever are. And what I see with Zacchaeus is this, if we can just come to Jesus, then he literally wants to come into our lives, this proverbial making his residence in our home, And then he changes us from the inside out. And that's the invitation for every one of us today. No matter who you are, if you're just a weary and heavy burdened person, if you're a cast out like Zacchaeus, his invitation is this over and over. If you look through the New Testament and the language of Jesus, he's often using this. He's saying, come to me. Just come to me because the invitation of Christ and the invitation of salvation is simply that. Will you come when God calls you? Will you come when he draws your heart to him? 
And I'm convinced, you know, why we do this every year where we have VBS at the beginning of the week and we do Love Missy and then we do our family fun day. And the reality is the, the reason we do this week is not just for fun, even though it is. It's because we believe God is drawing the hearts of people. Jesus is drawing the hearts of every single human being in the town of Messina. Do you know that? Every person who breathes and walks on this planet Earth, Jesus is actually drawing their heart. It's in your, it's in your notes here. John 6, 44. There's this scripture where Jesus goes on to say, For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. But then in John 12, 32, Jesus is given this kind of foreshadow thought. He's given this idea of what's going to happen when he's raised on the cross. And he says, and when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. Do we believe that scripture? I think he's drawing everyone. Every single human. No matter how lost in our eyes they look. No matter how far gone we might think they are, right? Because in our eyes we can look at people that make decisions, maybe even cyclically in their life, and do the same wrong and bad things over and over, and we would think, oh, that person will never come to Jesus. But I'm telling you, Jesus is drawing their heart. And if we as Christians can literally represent a Christ who has wide open arms that says, listen, just come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me, I will give you salvation. Come to me, I will give you peace. And we show that invitation to the world. Jesus will do the rest in the transformation. I promise. I promise. Listen, I have tried to make people want to follow Jesus. Like really, really tried. I've had young people come live in my home. For years, and I have tried to get them to love God and to care about what God wants for their life. And I'm telling you, it never works. God has to do the drawing. Jesus has to do the work. A person has to respond in some sort of coming to Jesus' way, and then Jesus does the transformation. And that's his invitation in our life today. Why don't we stand this morning? I want to do two things to end here today. I want to pray with two groups of people. One group could be maybe you're in this room or you're watching online and you simply are thinking to yourself, I'm not sure I've ever actually responded and came to Jesus, like moved in some actual way where I gave my life to him. You can do that in any moment, just like Zacchaeus, with a little bit of desperation, a little bit of intentionality coming to him. And it can start just like that. And so I want to pray with that group of people. I want to pray with those who would say, I want to start this life with Jesus. I want to respond to him today. And then I want to pray with the rest of us. Maybe the rest of us in this room or online that would say, I, I follow Jesus. I know Jesus. But man, I, I sometimes find myself forgetting that there's this simplicity in this thing where I just have to come to be with him. Maybe we've made it more complicated than it has to be. Maybe we've taken burdens on our life that we shouldn't be taking. Maybe we've taken responsibilities on our life that aren't our responsibility. Maybe we're just in a place where we're tired and heavy laden. Jesus today wants to say, I'll give you rest. So this is what we're going to do in just a moment. If that's you in this room where you want to pray, maybe for the first time to say, I want to follow Jesus, I, I want you to repeat some words after me. 
These words aren't special words. It's not a special prayer. I know people talk about a sinner's prayer and this certain way to do it. I'll tell you what. If there's just a desperation in your heart, I never saw Zacchaeus pray a prayer. I just saw Zacchaeus climb a tree and then come to Jesus and invite him to his house. And yet Jesus says, salvation has come to your home. Something inside us has to respond. And sometimes it's helpful with words. That's why we do these repeat prayers. Like, hey, if you just say this, it will invoke something in your heart. And so I would love for you to follow this prayer after me. And how about the rest of us in this room? We just all say it together. Can we do that together today? Let's do that. Father, we come to you. Jesus, we come to you today. We thank you for drawing our heart. We thank you for pulling us in closer. And today we respond together. Jesus, we want you in our life. We want you in every way. We want to turn from our own way and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to pray over the rest of us. If that's if you're in this room today and you maybe are just in that place of feeling weary and heavy laden, if you want to lift your hands, I know that that can be awkward at times, but it's honestly just a couple signs. You know, one of them, it's just a symbol of surrender, but the other one is just a symbol of receiving. If you want to receive God's rest over your life today, I would encourage you, raise your hands right now. Father, I pray right now for every person in this room, every person online, God, that's lifting their hands just to say, God, we want to receive your rest today. God, we've received your salvation. We've come to know you, God. We know you've even made residence in our heart and in our lives and in our home. But God, we want to be reminded today of the simplicity of coming to you. God, we want to be reminded that you carry us, that you give us rest, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So God, we ask right now just for your love over every person's life, your peace over every person's life. God, we ask for just a special rest over everyone in this room in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for what you're doing this morning. And we bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen, if you're in this room and God's doing something to you today, I would just encourage you, share with someone what God's doing. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.